0: Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 17 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by the one and only Joe Ruttman, 14-time NASCAR race winner in the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. We're going to talk about his great career and get to know Joe and see where it all started and where he's at now. And for the first time ever that we could say this officially, Let's Go Racing with David Starr is presented by Whataburger. Just like you, like it. It hasn't been our tagline for a while, but they can say Whataburger. Proud to serve it hot and fresh, 24 hours a day. Whataburger, all that. I love (laughs) Whataburger. This is a perfect partnership. David Starr is here. David, Whataburger been a long time sponsor of yours. I've been a long-time eater of theirs as well. attachment
1: <laughs> in Heaven. We're glad to have on board. Thanks for joining us as always, David. Hey, man, glad to be here. And, hey, you see where my support is. And, uh, and hey, I'm honored and blessed to have them as a partner on the, uh, in NASCAR, to have them sponsor our NASCAR uh, race car. And uh, But like you, Tyler, I've been going to Waterburger ever since I can remember, three, four years old, growing up in Houston, Texas. I mean, that was just – that's where we ate lunch and dinner all the time, you know. And – And the truth of the matter is, that's where I had lunch today. (laughs) So, anyway, glad to have them on board with us. Pretty awesome. uh, Oh, yeah. Pretty awesome uh, hamburgers and uh, everything else that they uh, –
0: absolutely. Dominic Oregon of the racingexperts.com joins us as well. Dominic, I think you love Whataburger maybe just as much as I do. Maybe. I don't know.
2: Did my shirt kind of give it away? I'm not really sure if I gave something obvious away here, but just like you, David, I had Whataburger this week, too. We, My brother and I, you guys all met on the show. Well, back, Martina and I, we ended up going to go meet some longtime family friends, and I was in charge of cooking last night, so where did I go? What items did I grab? No further than the local Whataburger in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And that fed our family last night. It was my turn to cook. So, great place. Just like you, Tyler. Just like you, David. I've been enjoying Whataburger my entire life. I grew to really love it in college. And what a better – we couldn't think of a better product to be a part of our podcast here at Let's Go Racing. No doubt about it.
0: Oh, yeah. I love Whataburger. uh, 800 locations across the U.S. and growing – Man, uh, you can't get enough of a uh, water burger. Uh, got me, get me a, a number two with uh, no mustard, add cheese, put that mayo on it, no onions. Oh man, you, you got me talk, talking. Hey man, the truth of the, the truth of the matter is, I I don't think I've ever
1: I, since. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a creature of habit. I get number one, no tomatoes, no onions, onion rings, and a Dr Pepper, and now a Dr Pepper shake. You know what I mean? So. Uh, it's, uh, my wife said, man, you're just a creature of habit, but I love, I love their hamburgers. So why change, you know, <laughs> yeah, Dale, just
2: like you, as far as being a creature of habit, every time I go, I got to get two of the double burgers. I have to get, I don't get the French fries. Cause if I'm going to water I'm going all in, I'm going to make sure to grab two burgers. So those two burgers, those... dunking them in some spicy ketchup, definitely fill me up. And I feel like I stopped there as my last chance exit as I'm leaving Albuquerque on the way back to Grant's every time.
0: Now, the oh, trip to
2: Albuquerque are, is complete
0: without going to Whataburger. Now, <laughs> those fries, though, you dip them in the chocolate shake. Ooh, right amount of sweet and salty. Ooh, that's so good it'll make your tongue slap your brains out, folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, Tyler, but David, hey, David, <laughs> we're going to bring in Joe in a bit, but first, let's look back on the Xfinity race. Tell us about how everything went there in Atlanta for you, David uh in the in the water you were in the uh, 61 car this time man i you at toyota super without any practice or qualifying you know when the
1: race started we was a we was a little free uh car was a little free getting into the corner and, and through the center but uh wasn't bad other other competitors were struggling as, as much as i was but i was moving forward i'd passed seven eight nine cars i don't remember what it was and uh was telling my crew chief that we needed to make some, uh, we needed to tighten it up a little bit. Uh, it, it was over rotating for me, and there, man, right when you're, man, when you're rolling through the center, you got to be in the gas there, and uh, it's a momentum racetrack. But uh, unfortunately, before we could make the kind of changes that we needed to our car, they were wrecking. I think two laps before the end of the first segment, and I don't know who caused it or what caused it but they were wrecking wrecking going into turn three and uh, my spotter said go low and I could see what was happening and and I went down as far as low as on the apron I couldn't go any further uh, towards the inside wall because I was up against the car that was beside me don't remember who it was but I was up against him and and uh, one of the cars was coming off the banking and man I was like man don't hit me don't hit me and uh, and he barely got our right rear quarter panel on our bumper and these race cars and Joe, Joe knows is a cup car. I don't care what kind of NASCAR race car it is, truck series, cup series, Xfinity series. When you don't have that right rear quarter panel perfect, you lose your side force. So uh, after we got our damage caution came out, we worked on it. We worked on it. The team fixed it the best that they could. But, man, we had an era, We were at an aero disadvantage during the race, and what that means is I had no side force, and we just battled a loose race car the entire race, and they kept tightening up the race car track bar, wedge, air pressure, but we couldn't get the car – tightened up because the arrow takes over the mechanical side when you're going that fast and just uh, we didn't have our side force with us and if it was a long day we we competed the best we could but we wasn't very competitive but we finished I think we finished 27th and uh sometimes man you race long enough you'll have a race like that but it's just unfortunate just uh I'm ready for our luck to turn around we had such we've had good luck for such a long time Uh, you know, now I'm dealing with a little bad luck last three or four races, but, uh, but it'll turn and, uh, but it was a fun race, obviously exciting race and, uh, a lot of action at the end.
0: So, uh, but I'm looking forward to getting to Martinsville so we can, uh, get back to racing. How about Justin Allgaier getting the victory? This guy, he's been grinding the Xfinity series there for quite some time here. And it, it seems like that everybody's excited when Justin gets into victory lane, David. Well, he's a great guy, first
1: of all, and he's a, one of the, you know, just a great competitor, a great race car driver. And it's no surprise. You knew you were going to see Justin in the victory lane soon when you're driving for Dale Earnhardt Jr. And have the type of equipment and the type of teams that he has, he's, he's always going to be a force to reckon with at each and every race, just because of his talent level and the team. And you put that recipe together and they're going to be a championship caliper team always have been. And, uh, you know, I knew Justin was going through some bad luck, like we have been, but uh, it wasn't going to be long before we saw him in Victory Lane, and he made it there this past Saturday in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly so. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome in our guest. It is Joe Ruttman, fourteen-time NASCAR winner in the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. David, tell us about Joe before we officially bring him in. Well, I, I you know. I got to
1: say, when I made it into NASCAR 24 years ago, you know, I I couldn't believe it that I was on the racetrack with Joe Ruttman. You know what I mean? Because I think every race car driver in the United States, before we, you know, if you're blessed or fortunate enough to make it professionally, you read, you study. I mean, you know all about all the drivers. You're watching ESPN on TV on Sundays. We're racing Saturday night. We're racing Friday night. But, man, you come – Sunday morning, man, after I get home from church, man, I'm glued to that television. And there was a guy I always seen on there, you know, many others, but Joe Ruttman was somebody that I grew up watching racing cup races. You know what I mean? Joe Ruttman was a big name. And as I saw Joe racing on television and 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 studying the sport, you know, I realized that he had a brother, Troy Ruttman, that had won the Indianapolis 500 in 1952. So I mean, Joe was Joe was special. I didn't know him, but I, I watched him race for a long time. And when I finally made it to NASCAR, you know, I'm finally living my dream, and I, and I'm racing, going to Daytona, and racing in the NASCAR Camping Truck Series. And next thing you know, I'm racing with this guy, Joe Rutman, that I've been watching for years growing up on television, and now he's on our podcast. And man. Joe, what an honor it is, buddy. Welcome to our uh, Let's Go Racing with David
3: Starr podcast, and thank you for joining us, buddy. Anytime when it comes to racing, you know, it's uh, it, it gets in your blood. I don't know what it, how it does it, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a disease you can't get rid of. That's <laughs> for sure, you know.
1: It's a great disease, isn't it?
3: Well, yes, it is, you know, but it's like right now, you know, it's uh, – you know, I've had a year off here, you know, because of the, you know, what's going on in the country. And I'm thinking, geez, I've had all this time to rest. I'm ready to go back, you know, but I'm having trouble getting anyone to sponsor me. I can't understand why, Uh, other than, you know, sponsors are tough to come by, you know, you know, tough to come by as you well know, David, Absolutely. And uh, so all I'm waiting for is that another big break. I've had a bunch of them and maybe depends to sponsor. You uh, know, <laughs> and, and I'll, and I'll be off and running, you know, <laughs> that's all it's going to take. You know, oh, and it, well, and it, one more thing, as you well know, because you've been racing a long time. And I, I heard you earlier talking about the start of the race and stuff. And the one thing I know for sure, positively, that when you start the race, if you're not on a fast horse, you're in trouble. Now, you know, a lot of things can happen, flat tires and uh, multitude of things, as you, you well know when you go through a race, but no matter how good you think you are as a driver or how good you are as a driver, you know, you only succeed as a team you know, it's uh, the car pit stops, tires, missing accidents, lucky sometimes, and or getting involved into them. So it's uh, it's it's something that you you learn over. I don't know how many years I've been racing. It seems like you know probably 25. You've been 24, so I've probably been racing. I raced for about 25 or plus or minus, 20. <laughs> you know, thereabouts. But <laughs> anyway, oh, so wow. it's. Uh, a long time and and I've enjoyed
1: the heck out of it. Absolutely. And Joe, you brought up a good point. It's, it's definitely uh, you know, no matter how good you think you are or how uh, or, or your talent level or how much talent you have, it's definitely a team sport and uh, you know you you're, you know sometimes you're only as good as your equipment you have, engines, tires, engineering, technology. But, man, Joe, I, I, I want to uh, – man, I want to ask you. There's so much to ask you because, golly, I mean, dude, you just – it's Joe Rutman, you know what I mean? It's like, where do you start? So, one of the things I want to ask you is take us back to when it started for Joe Rutman. Tell us tell us what that looked like and was it your dad? You know, tell us
3: tell us how it started, Joe. Well, it, it was simple, you know, in. tremendous amount you're talking about good race drivers that never get the opportunity. And the ones that do, you know, in the stay in the sport is really difficult because it's very competitive. But when I was extremely young, uh, my father, which everyone assumes that the fellow that won this Indianapolis Motor Speedway is my father. He was maybe almost old enough to be my father, but he wasn't. So my father was an excellent mechanic. He, he was, he's from Oklahoma, near Woodward, Oklahoma. And he was a real good mechanic. So as, as the Rutman family grew up, I wasn't with them initially, but they moved to first to Texas. And my mom kind of engineered it and they moved on to California because things were really happening out in California. So, uh, so along come Troy and my dad, again, the car he drove back and forth to the, to his work, uh, was an old model A and somehow Troy found out about a race. He was like, no one really knows. Cause he lied about his age so much that I don't know. He was like 13, 14 years old. And Ashcan Derby was the first place he went to with this old, you know model a of my father's wow. took a paintbrush put number four on the side and run it one uh one like 10 bucks or 12 or something like that and he comes back and he's all pumped up you know to tell the family you know well it didn't go over real good with my dad now my mom that's her that's her son so it was a big deal but dad's <laughs> going you know called her mary he says mary this kid took the car out and raced it, you know, and that's my car I go back and forth working. So, <laughs> you know, so that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that kind of, you know, it didn't make him real happy. So she says, look, that's my son. You know, you be the mechanic if you need to build him another car. So the bottom line was that my father was a mechanic built the cars initially that he started in in the family which uh, we went to all the races in southern california in other words they raced at one time probably at least four nights a week sometimes five and he went from jalopies to roadsters to i mean we're talking a long time midgets sprint cars stock cars and all that sort of thing so where I was lucky they took me along so I was a fan and really enjoyed it but it's kind of like when you're around uh, New Mexico and you, you hear the name Unser that's all the boys and Troy used to used to talk about Jerry Unser more than Bobby and, and Al even wow. but, but he was apparently killed in an accident earlier I, I never did get filled in completely but Troy was kind of like that but he was a one-man band so my father, you know, was always the crew chief and he got himself in ultimate equipment, great mechanic. Uh, and so he could win quite a bit. And so each progression that he made was he got lucky, get always some good equipment and having my dad work on it, yeah, 110%, behind him 110%. So the family, every race, just about, I mean, I, I went probably, you know, four races a week in, wow. in the season. So, to, to accelerate the story now, where I come from, right. was I wanted to emulate my brother. So, it, it's really easy, and here's the reason why, David, it's easy, is because I think it's like buying a, a racehorse, Drive, owners look at drivers and, okay, maybe I can't get Troy, your brother, to drive it, but, you know, I got my hand up. I, I, I'll drive it. I'll drive it. <laughs> so I think they they think that it's in the bloodline, okay? Now, I don't tell them any different, naturally, because <laughs> I want to drive, you know? So, Absolutely. So I was able to make that step really, really easy, far easier than the average guy could ever do it because, you're tied in to, if I was an and you know, an owner come and I'm sure they didn't have to hustle for rides. Right. You know, because they're known as drivers, you know, I think. So I, I, got, I just looked into it. And so that's what got me into racing. That's the only interest I had. I, I was too dumb to chase girls. <laughs>
0: I, you know, I should have, should have. <laughs>
3: You know, that probably would have kept me out of a little trouble. But, or maybe got me into more trouble. <laughs> more I don't know. Trouble, that's right. You could have gone either way. But anyway, that's uh, that's uh, as fast as I could tell the story. And and so I got lucky because a tremendous, there's, you know, a lot of people assume, uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt, you know, there's no question Dale was a tremendous race driver. There's a lot of Dale Earnhardts in the United States yes, sir. that's never got an opportunity to drive in top-notch equipment in, you know, either they run out of financing, sponsorship, whatever, but it, it, it's, it, it just happens to be a sport like that. Absolutely. You, you know, unfortunately, in most cases, until my brain got scrambled a little bit, I was able to keep myself in good cars, with good crews, well financed. So that makes a big difference in how you end up doing. Absolutely.
1: But, man, what amazing. It's cool to hear. So, man, so as long as you can remember as a little kid, I mean, you just went, you you raced with your dad and your brother. And, and, man, your brother was winning races and, and going to the next level and winning races, driving different types of race cars. And uh, it was really, obviously, really, really good. And uh, the Rutman name, obviously, was a, was like a Hunter or a Foyt or a Rutherford or Mears. That name, that's a big name in, in auto racing. And like you said, your brother can't drive for everybody. So when they needed a driver and he wasn't available, you raised your hand And having that Rutman name. But you know, Joe, I've seen you race. i raced against you and I've watched you race for years and all the wins and how competitive you were. I mean, it's a wonderful thing, a blessing to have a brother and a dad that had such a big name in this awesome industry. But once you get in there, Joe Ruttman's got to perform. And obviously, you did that, and you made your way on your own just by off, your, uh, off of your ability, wouldn't you say, Joe?
3: Well, you get lucky, but you, you, unless you get it out of the gate well, you know, uh, to give you, uh, give you a, a quick story. That I, I'm full of stories. That, I love your love your stories, man. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I you raced a lot on the West Coast, and Parnelli Jones had a Firestone distributorship. So obviously, Parnelli raced against my brother Troy and AJ and all those guys. So I used to go down there because, to be right honest, uh, I was fortunate enough to get free tires, which is. A big, as you well know, a big expense in race cars. Yes. The engine, the crew, the tire, everything's a big expense. Absolutely. But anyway, I, I had the opportunity to meet Rufus, as my brother used to call him. And so I'd go down to Torrance to get the tires in my pickup truck for wherever I was racing, Bakersfield or wherever. And I, I you know, boy, he'd woke me in to his office and and talked about uh, the race in in the, you know, down in Mexico, and him and Strop in in the the Bronco, and and all this sort of stuff, and I'm thinking, boy, you know, this guy really, really likes me a lot, and he, big office, beautiful office, you know, and very successful businessman. Are you talking about Parmella Jones? Right, Parnelli Jones. Wow. Rufus, Rufus is what my brother used to call him. Now, I never did call him. I didn't call him that, but I could go into his office, and he had an office. Of, a lot of people had a home as big as his office.
1: And he had
3: all the he had all the distributorships for Firestone. Wow! Yeah. And so he had, you know, he was making a lot of money because how well he was as a race driver. Right. So I'm thinking I could almost walk in. It will, and I'd stick my head in, and he'd go, hey, "Come on in, come on in." And I'd sit behind this great big build, uh, desk <laughs> and he'd get talking to me about one of the, one of the deals was in the, in that race up, you know, uh, in Mexico what was a thousand miles he would raced from that Bronco that he told me a story about, he was running up there and, and they must have a helicopter following them. Right. And he had a, a book on, dang, it looked like a book, but it was about, that thick, you know. Right. And he's paging through it. And he says, I was in either practice. I was never sure whether it was practice or racing, but he but he said I was at some point running however fast, you know, I mean probably 100 125 right. mile an hour, crested a hill, in a in a fellow with a motorcycle was practicing on the course, but going the opposite direction. Oh no. <laughs> it, can you imagine a car hitting wow. a guy's bike, you know? Yeah. and it it killed you know I mean he uh, continued the story, it, it killed him okay. But what the, he was afraid of and why he was looking over all these papers is the the helicopter lit, and they're motioning for him get in get in you know, and and he got and he flew back to you know to uh, San Diego got across the 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 uh, border, and and he goes. He goes, you know, and he, then he started to ask me technical questions. Well, well what, you know, how am I going to explain what took place, you know, and what do you think about what I should say? And I go, I'm not an attorney. I don't have the famous <laughs> idea what to tell you, you know. He's asking me, you know. And so I, I, I'm going, this guy's got way too much confidence in me. <laughs> and so oh. I, I I told him, I says, uh, I don't know, something, as much as you've raised, you know, and as old as you are, and, and he is really not tons and tons older than I am, by the way. Right. You know, I says, you know, that you should know, you got lawyers here. You don't, don't ask me. I I don't understand all that stuff, you know. So we went on into the story a little bit, and he, he kind of, never forget, he kind of sat up on his desk and crossed his arms like this, and, <laughs> and he says, you know, you know who my hero driver was, and uh, the oldest name I could come up with is Ray Haroon. Wow, yeah. That won the first. First Indianapolis spot, yeah. And I says, well, yeah, you, you, you were Ray Haroon was your favorite driver, and he leaned up on that desk and he looked at me. And I says, "Uh oh, this could be the end." It it he says, "Do you have any idea how old I am?" I go, "Well, uh, you know, I mean, I got to go come across the desk and get me, you know, I'm going well, uh, you know, well, uh, I, I was just teasing, you know." Yeah. And uh, and then he went on a little bit further, and he says. Uh, you know who, really who my, after he calmed down, by the way, right. he says, you know who my hero driver was growing up? And uh, I says, this time I go easily, no, it wasn't for Ray and I know. Right, right. But he says, your brother was my hero.
1: Wow. Carmelly Jones, man. is Man, what can a you, cool, wow. Can,
3: can you believe in, he's written books and, said it openly in books and uh, I've had the opportunity to talk in depth with AJ Foyt and and those guys that raced with him a lot and uh, there is a difference in drivers you know now I I wasn't a long ways behind him you know maybe a lap but Troy that is maybe two laps but you know when, when guys like Foyt and Parnelli and all those guys that in USAC, I got a chance to race and, you know, got a chance to talk to them or race the track about like I did with you. And they all said, you know, how great your brother was. And I go, yeah, I I went with him, you know, four and five nights a week when he was racing. I mean, he had a record like, he, he like, either he crashed, broke down, or won. That was his model, yep. you know. And uh, when he got into sprint cars, and my dad still worked in front of cars. Right. And to give you another idea how good he was in sprint cars, uh, they run the High Bank, Salem, Winchester, yep. Dayton. And uh, I don't know what year it was, but uh, they, out of 21 races on the High Banks, he won 18, and and my dad says, you know what happened to him in one of the other races, a drive shaft broke. Oh. So to give you an idea how good he was. So to say that I compare with him, but it, it's kind of neat talking to other people that raced against him a lot over right. the years. And his, truthfully, to get over this real quick, his, his one downfall was not going to Whataburger, <laughs> it,
0: it, you know, that, would not, that would have been—he would have been would have a been lot been better
3: off had he had done that. <laughs> but he—he uh, he, he was an alcoholic, okay. And uh, so, in, consequently, consequently, what happened to me, uh, people around me and stuff, and say, well, you—you don't—I drink water naturally, but I never, never had a beer, never had wine. I've never because I'm going, here's my hero, right? and he ruined his life, his whole life, his family and kids and everything, and he was my tremendous idol from day one because of alcoholism. And every one of them, Parnelli, AJ, all of them had come to me and say, Joe, do you have any idea how good your brother was? and i says yeah i sat in the stands and watched him race against i, I didn't want to say it against you guys
1: you yes know? absolutely when, yeah
3: when when he was in his prime right and he was bad to the bone you know he uh, you know he he won or crashed you know and and so anyway so it it made it easy for me to get a start right and get in a good ride and that's what happened and it basically started on the West Coast, naturally, because that's where he raced the most. You know, with mm-hmm. you know San Diego Balboa Stadium, but doo-doo, sure. doo-doo, all these racetracks and stuff. So anyway, so uh, I, I got a chance to watch from all those years. So Joe, it's amazing. I mean,
1: it's it's amazing how good your brother was and and the impact he had on your life. And, and he was your idol. Obviously, your breed was your older brother. But how, how inspirational he was to you and your idol. And, and then you never stopped learning from him because even though he was one of the all-time best open-wheel race car driver ever, you still were learning from him because you saw his downfalls, his flaws. Like you said, like we're hearing you say that that ruins his family, that, that took away uh, maybe his racing career. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying that, but, uh, and, and, and you grew up seeing that. And from that point, and you never drank ever in your life just because you saw what it did to your brother.
3: And you described it perfectly. You know, you, you see your idol, which he was uh, growing up and going to all these racetracks in I could visualize myself behind the wheel and at Balboa Stadium, at uh, Ascot, at all those different racetracks. And he just won all the time. So I'm going, yeah, you know, you know. I, but the most amazing part was that I really didn't want to be a stock car driver, you know, because IndyCar drivers, they look at stock cars. Now maybe my brother didn't, but right. you you hear the old good old boys talking, you know, Parnelli and, and AJ and AJ drove and so did Parnelli drove sock cars and stuff. Right. But they go they, they go, I don't want to drive those, those are taxi cabs <laughs> because they got doors on them. So they look at it like a big giant step down. So I watched him race open wheel mainly. And so I wanted to be an open-wheel racer. Other than go-karts, I never, ever got a chance to drive uh, in competition in an open-wheel car. And that was the thing that drove me until I was, you know, 17, 18 years old. I mean, I didn't even think about stock cars, you know. I want to be, I want to race Indy. I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. So that's amazing. And that, that's just amazing
1: to hear you say that because you know, the, the, the Joe Rubman I know is, you know, NASCAR, race car driver, star. I mean, it's interesting to hear that. That's not what you thought about. That's that wasn't your dream or your goals, you know? And so Joe share with us, share with us your path. So, you thought you were going to be an Indianapolis 500 IndyCar race car driver, and, and it's interesting to hear hear you tell us that that never occurred. And how did how did that transition to the stock cars? How did that how did that start working
3: for you? How did that come to be? Well, it what actually happened was is my father when at my he he was a crew chief on my brother's car when he won the Indy 500. Wow! He, he rolled a sprint car. Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and broke his arm, and it laid him up for almost. They screwed up the operation, put a, you know, screwed it up. So it actually laid him up for two years, almost. So the next year, my dad was a crew chief for Art Cross, and at Indy, and and they run second. So that's to give you an idea. Wow, how good, you know, my brother was a tremendous. Driver, but my dad turned into a tremendous crew chief. Man, Joe, I never, I never knew that about your dad.
1: Wow! I mean, not only did he win the Indianapolis five hundred as a, the the I think they called him the or what they call him then.
3: I don't the, know. I just, I, I have no idea. But he was technically the crew chief on it, right? And uh, you know, I as a little kid. That particular car they called the Sprint car was Junior 98. And that was Senior that they run because he was one, I guess he was the last one to win in an upright car, in right. a dirt, what they call dirt cars. You know, Troy was the last guy to ever win with one. But anyway, it was built in Long Beach, California. Uh, in It was in clay smith, which ground camshafts. If you see all of these decals on kids' cars now with a Woody Woodpecker and a cigar, yeah, sticking out of its mouth. Yeah, that that is Clay Smith. Clay was a was a slender, red haired fella, and what he his expertise was camshafts and engines. And wow. so I remember going down there when they worked on junior and senior, the big the, the two, and and mainly uh, Clay built the engines, and uh, you know he was just, you, you see him, and he just, he was just a cool guy, kind of a low-key kind of guy that ground cre- tremendous cams, apparently, you know, you hear of Isky and all that sort of stuff Right, back right. in the day, but he apparently must have ground just as good of cams <laughs> and stuff, but, you know, being a little kid running around there, and it, relatively small building, and in the back of that building is where Senior was built, and here's what amazes a lot of people. The car that won the Indy 500 in 1952, they had a Chevrolet panel van. I don't know if you've ever seen one. uh, A non-windowed, single axle trailer with the motor, spare motor in the back of it. My dad towed it from Long Beach to Indianapolis. That was their tow rig. In wow. And they won the race. I mean, they won the race <laughs> wow. Can, That's can amazing. you believe that? You know, that was now, that. wait a bit. That was before they had big, giant, absolutely, uh, all these big, fancy things now. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are amazed to hear what it was like back in the day, you know, and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. So, it, uh, so, so, Go ahead, uh, Joe. Excuse. Joe, were you? Were you? I, I, you know, just man,
1: it's so much history here. Were you at the 1952 Indianapolis 500 when your
3: brother won? No. Okay. We we were back in Linwood, California, listening on the radio, and uh, my brother just older than I, and uh, and there was four of us initially, and uh, the second oldest boy was killed. Jerry was killed on a motorcycle. Um, wow. It would just run into a car and the motorcycle rider loses. And uh, he was relatively young, you know, 19 years old. Wow. So we were there at the house, our house, and we lived right next door to Troy and uh, listened to it on the radio. And when he won and, and uh, it was, you know, and you hear about 300,000 fans and balloons and all that sort of stuff. So it was some years later before I got a chance to myself go to the Indy 500, which still pushed me. You know, I wanted to be an open-wheel driver. I didn't want to be a taxi cab driver. <laughs>
1: well, you I'll tell you what, uh, you became a pretty damn good taxi cab driver. <laughs> Man, wow, unbelievable, great stories, great stories, you know, man, so, man, Joe, you know, just looking at, you know, just sitting here listening to your stories, and, you know, I know your first NASCAR Cup race was in 1964, man, that was that was a long time ago, I mean, Joe Weatherly, and man, I mean, were, were you racing against Richard Petty, and, you know, all all the greats I read about, I mean, 1964, that's amazing, man.
3: In in but what give me the opportunity okay David, here's here's again another opportunity. Okay. The year before Troy was running some USAC stuff, stock cars. Right. You know, and uh he ended up uh Ford Motor Company giving him you know a Mercury and uh he ran a few races with it. He ran Atlanta in a NASCAR race with this uh with this Mercury, but he, he runs some races, so advance a year down the road to, it had to be a 63, because the 64, is when I drove out there, Right. so he says, I know you really want to drive bad, so, yeah, <laughs> we'll, well, you know, I'm not going to give you the car, but you can take it out there and race it, so I got a, a friend of mine, and uh, borrowed my mother and father's Uh, They had a a Ford two-door with a 390 motor, so it had pretty good power. And uh, my brother, Jim, built a tow bar, and we flat towed it from Detroit to uh, Los Angeles. And we stayed in a building in in, uh, uh, Long Beach, you know, with Bill Bill Stropp and he was importing big, Cortina's big, or some cotton picking thing. Big names. So I didn't have really the money. You know, he rode with Parnelli and all those right. off-road stuff. And so he must've knew, or someone says, Hey, I don't know. We don't have enough money to get motels for, we were there almost a week ahead of time. And so he says, in this old building he had that he had Cortina's parked in, he, uh, He says, there's above the office there, there's a a bed, you know, and you two, my friend and I, you can stay there because we're having trouble with them breaking in and damaging them. Okay. (laughs) But anyway, I stayed. That story was one of its own, too. Because in an old wooden building, you hear it creaking and you can imagine someone pulling the door and in. You know, we don't have... Back then, you don't have a gun. You don't. What What would you do? You know, I mean, I'd run the other way, and
0: I would my <laughs> pants,
3: you know, or, or something. So, Joe, you 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 told your race car from Detroit, Michigan,
1: all the way to California. Your first, yeah. it rained. Your first race.
3: Yep, that was a, the first real race, and so we ran the whole race slow, but. I finished, you know, cuz back then a road courses, the boys didn't run road courses real good. What, what road course was it, Joe? Riverside. Okay. Wow. And so I, my experience in, in in racing was through go-karts. So that was the only open wheel stuff. <laughs> hey, so I was I was pretty good on a on a go-kart, you know, at <laughs> least average. And so uh it's so you know, it was uh, it was a duck soup to me. Unbelievable. The equipment they kept, you know, Troy kept saying, now, if you overrun the thing, the transmission, the brakes, you, you really got one or two guys helping changing tires. I imagine we probably had two or three minute pit stops. I guess. I mean, I had no <laughs> idea back then, but anyway, I run the whole race and, uh, run 10th in a race and uh, against, you know, uh, you know, all the guys you know about, Petty and David Pearson and all wow. the major hitters that you hear over the years. And uh, so I come back. I My next goal was they run that before they run uh, Daytona. Oh, right. So I'm going, oh, I, okay, we'll go back. And and uh, Reed was the guy's name that went with me. And I said, we'll get it ready. And we maybe Troy will let us take it down to Daytona. We'll run down there with it. And so, uh, Curry, New Mexico. You know,
2: <laughs> Not too far from me, only three hours down the road on high 40.
3: Okay. Back then it was, horrible back, then it was of back then it was too lame, And, wow. uh, uh, the reason why, cause it, the story comes out that, uh, we, again, we couldn't afford to stop for motels and stuff. So we fired off in Long Beach, we hooked it up, the toolbox, the drive shaft, and all the stuff, and off we went back to D- Detroit. And so I must have drove a while. He drove a while. Anyway, he was driving when, when we got to Tupincare, and uh, a couple of young guys out of the service had a 59 Chevrolet back then or 50 whatever year it was. But anyway, it must have fell asleep because it was like late, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, they come kind of across the, the double yellow line because there's only two, ro- two two lanes. And Reg, you know, he, everyone says, well, don't take it down in the ditch because you'll lose control of it. He turned to his left to try to go around them the wrong way, and I'm asleep against this the uh, side of the door there. In the wind wing, I got a permanent. Scar on my forehead over that, so that's where the blood come and I use clamps and I shouldn't have and, but wow. was, and so it destroyed the car, you know and, the, and some of the foolish things that you do because you don't, nah, I, I know that much more now than I did then, <laughs> but you know I, what, what really KO'd me from getting it down to Daytona, was that we had water in it in California. But when we come across there and we got in that accident you know it gets a little nippy in in new mexico and it uh, it froze the block up and and wow. uh, got the motor wow. so so there that was my initial one now i run the next year or two there and drove for a guy you know in in southern california but uh but i thought i was ready to go you know i mean i finished the race slow Fast for me, but slow in relationship to how fast they were going. Right. And uh, I was gonna take her to Daytona. and and that was that was my sixty four race.
1: So Joe, did you make it today? So you didn't make it to Daytona. Engine broke, no, tro- it, uh,
3: yeah.
1: It Wrecked.
3: When, when when the car the, the guys were driving, it hit the car I was riding, right, you know, and it wiped my mom and dad's car out. Wow. And it hit the, the race car right straight ahead almost, you know, because okay. it it wasn't turning at the same rate as the tow car. Sure. And, and it it, you know, totaled the thing because they were probably running we were probably right, I don't know, I have any idea, but we were probably running fifty-five or sixty. Right. They were running fifty-five or sixty in the opposite direction. Uh, you can imagine what kind of a wreck it was. It was a, it was a major wreck. You know? You're lucky to get
1: killed, man. That's that's amazing. It's kind of a kind of a cool thing. And so your first Cup race
3: was you drive for your brother Troy Rutman. That's oh, amazing. Well, you know against the wow. uh, uh, you know all all the big hitters that you you know you you, you know and, yeah. and read about and stuff. You know every one of them. And they were they were super nice to you. You know uh, that was one thing about racing down south that you know they were real polite off the track but not as polite on the track but they were they were really nice you know absolutely
1: absolutely so so
3: uh joe let's
1: fast forward let's fast forward to you know i mean you drove jd stacy i mean you drove for some some really hard hitters and Man, the truck series, you know, when I when I race against you in know, a truck series, I mean, you you are – when you won a NASCAR Camp World Truck Race, you got to be Joe Ruttman, you know what I mean? But before the truck series, I mean, you – I don't know if you won any cup races, but you were you were a charge. You were a contender, you know? Uh, can you talk to us more? When, when did you know, hey – Joe Rutman has made it. You know, I, I'm gonna make a living racing cars. I'm with a good team. How did that happen? And who was your first? Was it JD Stacy? I mean, tell us a little JD, bit about in, that. In a,
3: good, a good car, it was it was JD's. A lot of he's now since passed, but a lot of bad stories got I think written about him based upon what the the response I had with him, but. You talk about being in the right place at the right time. I was the luckiest guy in the world. I was living in Southern California, and uh, you know, Stacy was thinking about getting in with both feet in the cup stuff. So he, and I still know him as Booby Harrington since he's since passed, but you know, I don't know how Booby even, he didn't know anything about me, but. He was the one that called me. That He was the crew chief on the car that JD bought. So they call me. But here is where I got a break of all breaks another time. We were over in Las Vegas on a short track running free Firestone tires. I should have been buying Goodyear's, but they were giving me the, the, the Firestones. And a lot of tracks were better. Anyway, I was running about... 32 mile an hour, tearing the heck out of the car that I was driving, going embarrassingly slow. And one hey, of the hot dogs, Joe, Joe, slow and Joe Rubin don't go together, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he, there was a, in this same race, and I didn't know about it, you know, because there was, you know, Vegas back then in a the short track, it right. drew a lot of participants. Sure. So they had, B mains and C mains and I I I wrecked it. You know, I mean, I wrecked the car so I couldn't fix it to keep going. And uh so when I was to me I low- I did have a trailer now and a, I think I was pulling it with a pickup truck, you know. So I I moved up in the world and so <laughs> I went home and I'm thinking about having to fix it and uh, uh you know this Booby Harrington calls me and says, uh, he says, you know, Ontario's coming up. Hi, hey, this could have been Monday, you know, you know, if I called you, would you drive the car for us? You know, we wanted someone good. <laughs> we <laughs> can't get them at the last minute. And uh, I, I think the one that they're really working on is Buddy Baker, but, wow. but it, you know, you know, he was unknown at this point. Is uh, as, as a car owner, sure. you know, and in in Booby wasn't a, a super well known crew chief at that time. So, what was it? That was Monday. I had to be Monday. So it went through Tuesday, and they called me on Tuesday or Wednesday, and the sign in I think was Thursday or Friday, one of the two, and they said, you know. Are you still available if, if we can't get our driver, you know, which is not you. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, it came down to the time that they didn't get anybody. So I met up with Booby and I met him as Booby Harrington. I mean, that's not his right. real name, but I knew him from day one as Booby Harrington. Wow. He, as a kid, got that name. And so I drive for him there and i qualified they were the fields were 89 million cars and i qualified just the tail end maybe just barely snuck it in you know right and so i i think this is what impressed him the most is they come down for a start you know they kind of come down slow well i kind of lagged back because i was in the last lane i guess and so they're slowing down and so I got pretty good momentum going well by the time I got to the start finish line I was probably in the top 10 for sure heading for more you know because I'm thinking these guys are not that good because look at me pass them you know well I come back around again I got black flagged you know <laughs> we're jumping to start so so I I come back in and they I don't know with a stop and go penalty or something uh, right. thing, so we ran a little over half the race, and so uh the transmission or something seized up in it, and uh I'd passed some cars, you know, I by no means you know was potential winning car or anything, but right. I could have run the top twenty, maybe, and consider that's again it's a big deal of you know, the early races, and so the next race they were going to run was I think Atlanta. And so, you know, they thanked me and paid me the money, you know, which was probably more than I could have made my short track car <laughs> in six months, you know? And so anyway, I was as happy as I had good sense. And so away they went, you know, and, and I go, well, it was kind of hard, but it was an oval, you know, and, uh, and I go, well, they had a lot more motor than I had, and their car, I think, handled better than mine. <laughs> you know, naturally, <laughs> you got an excuse if you're a driver. Right. And so, and so he he goes, uh, so he they go back to to uh, to, to Charlotte area. You know, right. Uh, you know, is really where they were from, where Booby was from, and so what was it he he called me and and thanked me for a week later, two weeks later, for driving the car in such short notice. And I says, "Well, you know, give me time to get my helmet. That's all you need. You know, I mean, five minutes is plenty. You know, I mean, I don't. You, don't have to call. you for a day, you don't have to call up. You know, call me. But anyway, so it. They kind of postponed it, postponed it. And They were trying to get a good driver for it, and and. They apparently run into some trouble. So at the last minute, they, I, I run Atlanta, and uh, they didn't realize they had a good driver. Eventually, they did. I'm sure. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I think I, I think I I did run the whole race. Yeah. And uh, I think really. I did finish tenth or something. I don't. I didn't. I, one of the things I don't do is keep track. You know, you guys just talked about last week. Okay. Right. In my mind. I should have probably thought about the race last week, but I—that's the nothing I can do about it. I mean, that's there's probably awesome. stuff I could learn, but sure. I don't. I don't live in the past. Right, right. I'm thinking I'm going to go back, and I'm going to win the next one. The heck with tenth place or eleventh or something like that. Whatever I finished yep. in Atlanta, and so, uh, so oh, I back home to. To uh, California, and uh, so Daytona come up for a, I guess an ARCA race, and so this time I was probably good enough that they called me for the race. You know, they 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 couldn't get a good driver. So so anyway, bottom line was, uh, you know, I think that I think that was the next race, but anyway, we were lucky enough to win, you know, an ARCA with the JD's car. Wow. And uh, and then he goes, well, I'm gonna step on the JD. I'm gonna step on the gas, and he bought that cup team and all that sort of stuff, and and hired me. And there's a million stories behind that, but all the stories about JD Stacy that's bad. Please don't remember all of them because I dealt with him from day one. He never cheated me out of a penny. Now he didn't give me an extra penny. And he didn't cheat me out of any money either. And what, <laughs> and what he agreed to do, he did 100%. So wow. JD to this minute is heads up kind of man. Whatever he, and to give you how heads up he was, when he bought the team, it was on the winner's circle. And uh, from probably Earnhardt winning a race, I guess. Right. And, and NASCAR called him. I was in the office when he was talking to NASCAR. NASCAR says, if you put that guy in that car, the two car, you're off of the Winter circle program, which meant some money. They, yeah. they pay those guys show up money, you know, if you win and stuff. So, Joe, were they talking about you? And they were talking about me. They said, if you put him in that car, you will not be on a Winter circle.
1: Why, Joe?
3: Well, I was not uh, unknown, I'm sure. Right. I'm from California. And I, I I probably said some negative things that I shouldn't have said <laughs> about the guys from down south. You know, after Ontario and, and, you know, some of these other tracks, you know, I'm going, hey, guys, get me in a car. It'll stay with them down the straightaway, and I can turn the wheel, and it'll go off in the corner, and the back end won't pass the front end, or the front end don't hit the wall. Yeah, and I think I can run with those guys, you know. Awesome. And so the Los Angeles Times, Jab Glick come up to me and and uh, talk to me about it, and I says, if I was in a good car, I, I no doubt in my mind, I think I can stay up with those guys. And they, a half a page in the Los Angeles Times, the next day, at, uh, that was Ontario, you know, uh, Donnie Allison come up to me and I don't know if I can say a real bad word, but That's okay. you he can said, you're the dumbest yeah. son of a you know <laughs> what, that I've ever met. And the only Don- other guy that would be... The only other guy that would be that dumb is Bobby, my brother. <laughs> and walked away, honest to God. Really? What he said to me, and uh, so that didn't put me in good with NASCAR because I'd already told, you know, more made it a point in that in that uh, write-up that hey, give me give me the good equipment, you know, <laughs> the, the right. car that just won that last race, and I'll I'll stay up with those guys, you know. And, yeah. Uh, so just because I'm from the West Coast, that don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a Southerner. I don't have a redneck and uh, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and I said stuff like that. Maybe yeah. that didn't help my career any, but to this day I still do. And uh, Dale, Kenneth Dale Enman was a crew chief when I first drove the two car. And, uh, and not a finer gentleman I could have met than Dale Enman. But wow! Think, think about it. Think about Dale. it. Here's the crew chief for Richard Petty for ever. How many races did they win? A hundred. Two, I, they, yeah. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't know. This is how smart I was. I'm from California. You know, Dale Inman's a nice guy. In the two things that he did – Kind of hurt my feelings, but he was truthful to me. <laughs> I walked up when I first met him at the race shop, and he had quit Petty and was working for Jim Stacy. He walked up to me, and my arms are the same size now as they were, and he looked at me, and they walked me back in the back, and he says, this is my effing driver. <laughs> if they can. I says, wait, wait a minute. Give me a chance in the car. And the first thing he did, he reached over, and he's famous for how strong he is. Uh, he grabbed – he didn't squeeze me hard because later he kind of told me, he says, that little Mickey Mouse arm, I could break it. You and Richard had the smallest arms. Under <laughs> <laughs> and he started to squeeze down on it. he goes, this is my effing driver. He says, look at this guy. And I'm going. I'm standing there going, you "Haven't give me a chance," you know. And uh, we run the races, and uh, you know, you know, we could have run one Richmond if if I would have kept my eyes open, uh, <laughs> you know, and all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, in you know, here here's what happens to you. Another car owner that was very famous at the time that had the 28 car that was winning all those races, he comes up to me and talks to me in this here. And he says, I'll hire you if you agree with me within a couple, three days to drive my car. Now, you know how fast on a super speedway back then the 28 car was. Ooh, I mean, man. It was however fast the other guys went, it went 10 mile an hour faster. Absolutely. I mean, it would have been a piece of cake with that car. you know. Right. It would have been the easiest thing in the world. And so I said, yeah. And so I called JD and quitting right in the middle of the season. This is how dumb I am. This is too many, too much fumes I've been smoking. And, uh, and so when I got, when, when I told Rainier, okay, everything's lined up, he calls me back within hours. I've already shit on Stacy. He says, I love you to death. This is this is what he said to me over the phone. He says, I love you to death, but you're not worth a million dollars to me. And that's what JD was giving him to run his race car and never put his name on the side of his race car. Come on. God wow. strong to death. So, so he looked at me. And I ended up driving at one time at the end of the year at uh, Riverside, and uh, that was it. And and I, I pushed. You know, here's somebody that treated me right a hundred percent of the time, and had Dale Inman as a crew chief. Man, you don't know. I've had a lot of crew chiefs. It don't get much better than that. You're you're talking the crew, and I was so. I'm going to say it so damn dumb <laughs> that I quit him and it, it killed, you know, you know, his, his, you know, Dale, Kenneth Dale, I called him, uh, apparently his first name is Kenneth. And, uh, he, you know, he told me later, he says, Joe, he says, if you would have hung in, you know, we were, uh, went to, to, uh, Bristol and, uh, he says, now, Bristol is really, you know, this, and he was being nice to me, you know, wasn't, you know, he gets me over the corner and he says, now look, Joe, these corners are really banked and really go fast and, you know, you know I, you've know, you just never seen a track like this, ever. Well, he didn't realize that I'd spent some time in the Midwest, I'd been to Salem, Dayton and Winchester not with a cup car, right. but driving. Okay. Well, I didn't tell him that. But he, he says, you don't mind if I bring, you know, some, I forget now at the time, bring someone over because you're not going to be able to, you know, 500 laps here, you know, and look at the size of that arm. You're not going to be able to. You you, you're not going to make it. You know, you're, I, I you, you know, so can I get, like, oh, yeah. And he brought somebody else over. I forget at the time who it was. And so... We were practicing, you know, for the first cup race. I went with them. Right. And I was running everybody as fast as it, everybody. And I found out the lower you run on the track, the faster you run. So, uh, you know, come down to qualifying. And I thought maybe, like a dumbass, maybe the apron would be faster, I guess. <laughs> it, it, when I tried the apron out, uh, it, it didn't work real good. <laughs> and so it, that baby took off. And I, oh, you know, I look like a fool. Yeah. and uh, you, got, you got to know this about Dale Enman. You know, I think we ended up 12th or 15th or something like that. And I was now I had a lot more respect for him than I did when I first drove for him, because everyone come around and ask him questions. So I knew he was way smarter than I was. So when he picked pit stalls, you know, I'd be right over his shoulder when they brought it around and he'd pick them. And when the guy left, I'd say, Dale, why did you pick this one?" You know?" And he'd say, "Well, all kind of stuff. I mean, that one without walking out and look at the track, he'd say, that has a drain hole in it. that has a pitch to the in, to the inside guardrail, uh, this and shorter. He knew every pit stall on that track. Wow. It, and he said, and I says, well, I think we still could have picked on the front. And he goes, no. He says, because they had an inside guardrail back then. They had to run down behind. He says, there'll be a wreck there. So he put me on the back stretch. So at this time, now I've learned a lot more. I didn't question him anymore, and they fired off in a race, and uh, in the first, the first, I think it was the first pit stop, they got tangled up, and I, I picked up probably 10 spots from everybody crashing <laughs> on pit road, because one pulls out, rim, hit, and it just blocked pit road. I ended up picking up a whole lot. They dropped the green flag, and I was as fast as anybody. Wow. It's three It's 311 laps, I think. Okay. Uh, I, I was leading. The first time I'd ever been to Bristol, I was leading. Wow. On the green. On the green. Not the caution or any of that other stuff. And uh, I was as fast as anybody. Probably Darrell was sniffing along, but I had him whipped, you know. <laughs> and the car was skipping on the track a little bit in the oil pan, it knocked a hole in the oil pan and, and oh, in the race. And Dale Inman afterwards, he doesn't say a whole lot, but he came up to me and says, you're my man. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, so me and Dennis, Kenneth Dale become good friends. Now, why didn't I stay with him? But I saw a chance to get into 28 in, in a super speedway. Right, right. They were unbelievable. But anyway, that's, uh, I could tell you 10 million oh, stories about oh, oh, sure.
0: I'm sure you could. Episode 17 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr, presented by Whataburger. Don't forget that every Whataburger is made fresh, served hot and prepared, just like you want it. Want jalapenos and cheese on that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh, 24 hours a day. All right, a couple more things. Real quick, a little rapid fire here for you, uh, Joe. Uh, What is your proudest moment? I know you had so many great ones over the years. What's the thing you're most proud of? You think I could answer that real fast,
3: but it, it, it's, it's the races you give away. I'm not proud of it, but you know, miss coming out of the pits at, uh, at New Hampshire. I should have won at New Hampshire, stalled the motor run second. I mean, I can tell you more races I lost because I've come back and not rerun the race, that think about the mistakes I made. You know, why did you do that? And I, I talked to myself, you know, not out loud, but you know, <laughs> why did you do this and why'd you do that? So anyway, you know, mistakes I made was what I thought about more. Wins, you know, no, there was no win that was better than the other.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough um let's uh, let's get to uh, this week's nascar news and notes and uh dominic uh w- let's start with uh, looking back at that atlanta cup race ryan blaney shocked the world getting into victory lane when it looked like that kyle larson was set to get that one done well kyle larson did certainly lead the most
2: laps but we all know doesn't always have to be the fastest car to win. You got to lead that most important lap, and that's what Ryan Blaney did. He made a pass on Kyle Larson with about nine laps to go. He picked up his sixth career win in the NASCAR, or excuse me, fifth career win in the NASCAR Cup Series. That ties him with drivers like Ward Burton and 1992 Cup Series champion Alan Kowicki on the all-time wins list for 73rd overall. But more importantly, Tyler, David, Joe, that is six different Cup Series winners now in the first six races. You have to go back to 20. 14, where we had seven winners to open up the 2014 campaign, seven different winners and seven races.
0: I'm amazed. I mean, uh, it, what a start to the season. A lot of parity right now. Blaney getting that win. Uh, David, we've seen Blaney one, run real well the last few years, and you think this could be a breakout season for him to get his first season with multiple wins in the Cup Series?
1: Well, no doubt about it. And, and you know, I was there Sunday. I, I watched the race, and Blaney had a long Long, uh, long run car. His car got better the longer they ran. And man, uh, you know, uh, uh, the leader, uh, man, he, he, man, he, they dropped a green. He was gone, you know. And uh, man, he was gone. It was, it was unbelievable how fast he was. But as I watched the race play out, I paid attention to Blaney. And uh, Ryan's car was super fast on the long runs. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it was just—it was just amazing. You know, it wasn't shocking to see uh, see him win at the end. You could see what was going on. You could see it happening. And I don't think uh, you know. I don't think Joey Logano helped that out. Any you know, Joey was trying to stay on the lead lap, and uh, I think he was taking some away. Some 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 clean air away from the leader and, uh, and man, it just, uh, it was amazing to watch that, but I've been watching the whole race. The longer the race ran, uh, Blaney was a man. I was watching him as his car got better and better. And, uh, it was, it was just amazing. I'm not surprised that Ryan Blaney won the race. I mean, you see, you know, uh, Roger Kiske organization. I mean, those cars are fast. They have a lot of speed and, uh, it's not surprising what, You know, it's kinda kinda interesting, but you know, I think we've seen two Toyotas, two Chevrolets, and two Fords win. You know, I think everybody's tied on wins, I think two each for the manufacturers, you know, and uh and let's talk about people that hadn't won a race. You know, I'm surprised that we seen we haven't seen in two thousand and twenty-one, we haven't seen Kevin Harpick in victory lane, you know, and
0: uh yeah,
1: absolutely. So I, I think you know, we're gonna see, you know, this is gonna go into the Maybe the teams, you know what I mean, before it settles out. You know, we we might be into 11 or 12 different winners before we have a repeat winner, you know. What's your thoughts on
3: that, Joe? Well, it'll blow your mind because uh, I I generally do not watch all the race. But I did watch all of Atlanta because uh, I really thought Harvick was uh, a shoe in to win personally before the race started. But what what I want to point out to you personally, because we talked about cars and stuff. The driver that was leading all those laps, okay. You remember he he had a he kind of like me, he had a vacation for a year. Yeah. But think about when he was driving on that other team, okay? Yeah. Now, do you think they give him a day, a week, a year off, and he become a better driver? Or does he have better equipment than he had then? I'll answer it for you. He's got better equipment. He was just the same driver back then. But think about what he's done. If he hadn't made the mistakes at Phoenix, speeding down pit road, Right. Twice or three times, however many times he did it, mm-hmm. it's that shows you. In my eyes, you you set the table for me because you're talking about this, and maybe Blaney had a better long run car, right. but that kid is licking his chops. And what hurt him a little bit is on the restart, he didn't he didn't get out first, and all his other restarts. He broke out a lot quicker and gathered up six, seven-second lead or more. Blaney could have maybe running down, but I question it, you know, because he worked the tires a lot harder, you know, in the first 10 laps. And you know what, what it's like on a track that's abusive of tires. Right. Once you abuse them, they go, Yeah. hey, David, I don't care what you do, but I'm back here on the right rear and you spun me way too much and you, you screwed up. Right. I'm not gonna hook up anymore because that's you right. burned me up.
2: Absolutely. And
3: uh, it, that, that's my impression of what took place. And my impression is I always thought right from the start, the guy was a tremendous race driver. But to me, that is a perfect example put a check on his name, that two years ago, he was every bit as good as he is right now. It just didn't have the equipment.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the, the way that he, he's been dominating, you know, leading so many laps, even with having no sponsorship, he's still got to be the, the favorite for the championship right now. No, it's early, but it's certainly impressive what he's doing. Moving ahead to Bristol now, going to this dirt race, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, David—they got to be the favorites, right? Who are you <laughs> watching for for this Bristol Dirt Race, and what do you what type of race are you expecting to see? What do Man, you make of this Bristol Dirt Race? Well, I
1: can I can just tell you like everybody else, heck, I'm excited. I, I'm disappointed that the NASCAR Xfinity Series, while we're we have a weekend off, we, knew we ought to be in Bristol on the dirt. I, I was, you know, I'm sad, you know, but uh, disappointed that we're not. But Man, I'm, I'm excited to watch the truck race Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. And, man, I'm so excited about the cup race on Sunday. I can't stand it, you know. But to see the cup cars run, I don't know, 300, 250 laps, you know, at Bristol on dirt, I mean, there's a lot of questions, you know. How's the track, you know, is, is, is you know, how the track, track's going to change. And they're going to put so much rubber on the racetrack, it's going to be like a pavement track, you know. And, uh you know, Larson, you know, Larson's going to be one of the ones to contend with. I mean, he's to me, he's a favorite. Christopher Bell. I mean, you look at uh, Austin Dillon. Austin's been running some late model dirt races there and winning. And winning. You know, he's got a lot of dirt experience. Uh, Stuart Friesen, the Truck Series guy, making his debut on the Cup side. I mean, lots of talent on the dirt. But, you know, I, I'm, you, I mean, these guys – the race in the Cup Series, they're all the, the best in the world. And uh, I wouldn't be, be surprised to see one of them step up and win. We're thinking, man, where would that come from? You know what I mean? We're, we, we didn't think this guy had any dirt experience. But, man, all these guys are great. They have good car control. But I'm excited to watch it. There's a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of question marks. But I think the whole industry, the whole racing industry, you don't even have to be a circle track racer, short track nascar fan i think people are going to be glued to television to see it for the first time since 1970 i think was probably the last race but uh but i i'm, I'm curious to see what joe thinks about it
0: well well real quick uh if, if i may add you know this this Bristol dirt race and of what it means to the sport to have this moment and everything here uh, Joe, I mean, this is uh, this is a long time coming. What, what's your excitement level for for just this this happening? And, and what's your expectations for Sunday? I, I bet Tony Sturge, man. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> all those truck races, the Prelude to the Dream that they had there. I mean, I mean David, one of the things you mentioned too with uh, with with, uh, as far as that, you know, some of these guys maybe even without dirt experience could do well. We saw with the prelude years ago, I think Jimmy Johnson won one year and he'd never run on dirt before. So and all, all of them are good. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wish I was there racing, you know what I mean? But, you know, Joe brought up a good point. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's interesting that they, they brought all that dirt in and made it an awesome dirt track, but you know why didn't they go to Eldor or Tony's racetrack? And it was—it's already a dirt track; it's already there. But you know, we'll, we'll let Joe answer that. But uh, but anyway, uh, I'm excited about what's taking place. You know, and uh, man, you know we you know Larson Bell. You know you know those guys are going to be a factor. You're Stuart Friesen, uh, you know. Uh, You know, you you look at, you know, look at the 17 car, you know, uh, uh, Stenhouse, you know, Stenhouse, the world of outlaws driver, owns an outlaw team, world of outlaws team. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's got tons of dirt experience, you know, so there's a lot of excitement, a lot of questions. It's going to be interesting to me how it plays out. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? So, yeah.
3: What do you you think? Well, the guy, you know, a non, you probably named three or four guys, you know, it's like looking back to it. I hate to look back, but you, you look at Atlanta. There's, you know, no question in my mind, who probably, you know, had a shot at winning the thing. He tears a valve stem off, loses a lap, you know, and he, under the circumstances, it's it impossible for him to make up that much time. But it on a dirt race, you, you mentioned Jimmy Johnson, but you forget when he, what he drove, back before he come into cup. remember what he drove? He drove on the dirt. Off-road, absolutely. Off-road, which most off-road races are not on the pavement. <laughs> They're on <laughs> dirt. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you got to look, see I I guess I'm a I want to look at the total picture of what's going on. But you know, and so it wouldn't surprise me to see Jimmy Johnson because he handled that, you know. He he run those buggies and stuff. He's got dirt experience, and you got to read the dirt. And you know, you got to know what's what's it going to be like in twenty laps from now or thirty laps. Is it going to get hard and slick? Is a cushion going to go to the top? Are they going to run around the bottom? You know, so it it, it really rolls the dice the first time. You know, a lot of guys could win. There's probably 15 guys that could win. You know, two of the good running cars could tangle and take them out, and the other guy have a flat tire and blow a motor or do whatever. So the only thing that I see about it, it just opens up the opportunity for more fellas to have a chance to win the first time around. Now, I think the second time around, if they do it again, get the same dirt on there, then – you're going to probably narrow from 15, in my eyes, down to probably five. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, Dominic, real quick, would you take Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell or the field on Sunday?
2: Man, I got to go with the field. I I think Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell, certainly some great picks there. But like David mentioned, you got Stuart Friesen in the field, Chris Wyndham, A lot of these guys making their debuts. Bubba Wallace in 2311 racing. We know Bubba's really good on the dirt. There's just so many variables. It's kind of like a super speedway race. You throw all 40 names into a hat and pick somebody out of it, that's probably going to be your winner, much like picking a winner on a super speedway.
0: All right. I I personally would take Larson Bell over the field personally. Um, But we'll see. Should be a lot of fun come Sunday. (laughs) Guys, one more segment before we get out of here today. It is time for – Ask David, and a reminder uh, that folks at Waterburger cook up 100% pure beef burgers 24 hours a day. You can get your burger fix any time of day or night at Whataburger. Proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Stop by Whataburger for a hot, hearty breakfast any morning or late at night. They're serving breakfast from 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. burger? Man, uh, that sounds tasty right now. As I read, as I do that, ad read. Um, <laughs> oh yes. All right. So our first question is uh, on the Twitter, and uh, it comes from Stony at Stony Wheel Tracking. Uh, writes to both Joe and David, uh, saying, uh, "Joe, what role did Jason Green play?" in his late model team in the early 2000s?
3: Mm, I'm not sure I – maybe, David, you know. The name doesn't ring a
0: bell right off the bat. Ask
1: that question again, uh, Tyler.
0: What role did Jason Green play in his late model team in the early 2000s?
1: Yeah, I I guess I don't understand the question. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I uh, don't know – who that is. And I'm sad to say that, but I don't know who it is. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, Jason, uh, shout out Jason, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well then, uh, uh, well, uh, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> sometimes that happens, man. All right,
1: <laughs> Jason.
3: You did live TV. I
0: guess you didn't play too big of a role. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Here's a question for both of you. This one comes from uh, Robert Byron via email. Uh, Robert writes to both of you: Have you ever been confused for another celebrity?
1: (laughs) I, I, I'm that one too, huh? (laughs) Well, I. You know, I, I don't. I'm no celebrity. I'm just a race car driver. You know, and very fortunate, very blessed. But no, I I never have been confused for anybody. But just who I am, you know. Maybe Joe has, but I haven't.
3: <laughs> There's no actor that ugly. You know. <laughs> I've been mistaken for a girl, maybe, but not a guy. <laughs> Oh,
2: that's hilarious, oh, man! <laughs> oh man, Dominic. Oh, no, I, well, I had people call me Ralph Macchio, but I don't think they thought I was him. They said I looked like no. Ralph Macchio, from karate kid. I don't know if that counts though. You, Tyler? Uh,
0: people thought I was Will Smith. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> 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 oh, that's hilarious, man! Oh, really, uh, anyway. uh, oh gosh. Well, uh, Joe, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, before we <laughs> run just kind of what you're up to now and where can people follow and see what you're doing these days, man?
3: Well, I just, uh, you know, I, you know, an old broken down race driver, I, you know, I don't know what, what he do? He's out in the pasture <laughs> and he's looking around going, damn, you know, <laughs> uh, hey. you know, it, it, uh, you, you just watch it, though, what little bit I do. And and I probably have a better view of it now than I did before, because I, that's why I'm real strict to say you got to be careful. The equipment has a lot to do with your success. And uh, the pit crew, everybody, you know, everybody that ha- puts their hands on the car. And... Uh, and I think I sit back now and to me, Larson proves it better than anybody, you know, the second he moved out of the, and I, am not trying to make the guys feel bad, you know, on which you call steam, but you know, he just, he just never was in a car as good as uh, Mr. H put up on the road, you know, right. for, and he's proven it. And, uh, and it's kind of fun to watch, you know, because I'm going, yeah, that's exactly what I said. You know, you get a good driver gets in a good car. And, but if a good driver doesn't have a good car, you know, he, he's just mediocre at best because, you know, being in the Kentucky Derby, and I, this is probably my favorite story. If you go to the Kentucky Derby and you're, jockey and you think you're the world's greatest jockey okay and they put you on a mule you will not win period so that's the problem that a driver is confronted with that he works for years david can attest to this And, and even with myself you know i was in a good position and i made a bad decision OK, with the Woods Brothers. And it's like losing hold of a branch when you're 100 feet off the ground. And you're grabbing for them other branches on the way down. The odds are you're probably not going to get one. And guess what <laughs> the next thing happened to you? Your ass is on the ground. Like, what did I do that for? You know. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, that's the only bad thing that I probably digest better now that I can see it more clearly. Sometimes you get putting your chest out too far and you think you're the world's greatest. You know, for example, the guy in the 18 car, you know, and and they are are good. You know, the one in 18 is good. I don't want to mention his name because he's got plenty of, you know, and, and they are tremendous race drivers. But there's obviously something going on right now. If you make the crew mad (laughs) or say something derogatory, I don't know if he did or not, (laughs) they can sure affect your performance that day. And and so that just personifies a race driver. You know, he's, you know, hangs on to so many different factors that he has no control over you know, right, right. Absolutely. to be giant successful. So yep. you, you can see guys going back and forth and back and forth, but really be honest with yourself and say, what, what did he have? And I guess one of the things, and I'll pass it off at this. I, I did a lot of factory testing, mainly in the trucks, and people didn't see me for about five years there. I was probably running more laps back then than I did when I was racing because Toyota come to me, paid me some pretty good money, and says, I want to take you to this track and that track and that track. I don't need people on the grandstands. I have just as much fun driving the damn vehicle. <laughs> and so when I saw Toyota stepping up there, I told those guys for at least three to four years. I said, they put more money, engineering. I was there. There's no, I I'd done factory stuff for Ford, tight wads. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can say it now, I can say it. Chrysler, believe it or not, of the, uh, I didn't do much testing for GM, but Chrysler, believe it or not, for a period of time done better testing than the major three did as far as i'm concerned right. when all of a sudden i got close to toyota and i saw the, the amount of effort they had and what they did with those teams they had the let me just tell you this and this when you see a team doing well this is what uh any team cup team bush team whatever okay right. In the truck series, when they come along, they set every one, I don't know if David knows this, they set every one of those teams down. Before the start of the race, they knew what gear they had, tire pressure, springs, the setup. They knew everything about those those trucks. Yes, And they kept tabs on them. And they said, guys, if you make one, error for not giving us the right data. You no longer on the team. Okay. So I got to see that. So I think they give me an advantage. And you watch a team uh, like a Toyota team. Well, Well, the other thing I wanted to tell you is I thought I was going to have a chance to do more testing on the cup cars. And then maybe get a chance to run a cup race or two, you know, after I'd been away from the sport and everyone would say, damn, he come back and he was awful good. Well, hell, I was running, I'd run 500 miles everywhere we went, 600, <laughs> 700 miles. Uh, but, you know, knowing that they passed all that stuff around. And so with the trucks, Toyota could control them. That when they got into the cup series, the head guy come to me. And, you know, I kept asking him, when's my turn? When's my turn? And he says, Joe, he finally got me set aside. And he says, those teams are big enough that they won't divulge any of that information so that those other teams can get it. So all they do, they're all their own development and they keep it all in-house. And uh, I think you can put two together, together if you watch Toyota teams, Chevrolet teams, you know, right, right. Ford teams. Yeah, there, there's, it it, 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 doesn't ruin it for me, but I, I know that for a fact, right. and it's right. kind of heartwarming to, to, see, someone like Larson get into a car that he'd been, in a mediocre car, and what he could do in a real good car.
0: Absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, Joe, we, we, we certainly appreciate it, David. Uh, before we go here, uh, tell us about what you're doing with your off week. I know you're going to be enjoying the Bristol race but from, uh, from home on TV, but just tell us about what you got going on.
1: Man, just, just busy. Just, uh, you know, here it is Tuesday. I, uh, I had a meeting today. Tomorrow I got a sponsor meeting and uh, working in my yard a little bit, spending some time being a dad with my little boys, uh, going to some sporting events being a husband spending some time with my wife and uh you know uh it's all racing but when you got a weekend off you got to go back to being a husband and a father and uh you know catching up on that on the on what's what's on what on what's really important you know what I mean so I've been enjoying that taking my boys to school being at home when they get off the bus and just spending some time going to baseball practice soccer practice stuff like that but uh but, man, race is always right here in front of me. You know, like I said, I got a meeting tomorrow, a sponsor meeting. We'll be headed out to uh, see my uncle Mike at the Team Texas High Performance Driving School at our race shops tomorrow. So, just uh, it's a busy week, but just trying to catch up on being a dad, spending time with my family and my wife. But uh, before we go, I wanted to ask Joe one more thing. Uh, so, Joe, man, man you raced for so long. You were so good. Won a lot of races. Does the desire, is the desire to get in a race car, is it still there? How how do do you, you you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I mean, you've done this your whole life and all the successes and everything you won. I just, that's just a question that rings in my mind. I wanted to ask you, you know, when you're sitting there watching these races, these racetracks and the NASCAR races that you've been there, you won there. Is that burden of desire? Is it still there
3: or are you okay with slowing down a little bit? David, I'd lie to you if I didn't say that. I I realize now, back maybe when I was a little bit younger, I thought I was all the team. But, yes, I mean, it's never lost. I've never lost (laughs) a a minute's thought and uh, of getting another chance, but – you know, it's a young man's sport, and the guys deserve it, in like yourself and many, many, many others, uh, to get a good sponsor, and in race because, uh, you know, it's just human nature. You know it, uh, but I raced so long that I don't deserve to race anymore. You know, but would would I in a heartbeat? And and but the problem is, I know. If I could get in the right car at the right time, I feel I've run many, many laps on all those tracks that you see. You know, now I'm not Bristol on the dirt. No, I haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's a new one. That'll yeah. be fun to watch. But Absolutely, it's like a flip of the coin what might take place. But I ran second at Eldoro right. in World 100, and Tony will tell you what that is. That's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, so, no, it's never lost me. It, it never went away from me. Man, I, I love still, that. There's still I, a racer inside there, you know. Ab- absolutely. Right. I w- I, you
1: know, guys, I would love – I mean, I would just love to see Joe, R- Joe Ruttman get back in an Xfinity car, a truck, or a cup car, or run another race. Would that be cool? I okay, mean, that you got to make awesome. that happen, right? think so you can pull some strings. Man, I think that would just be awesome. And like Joe was saying – he wants to make sure it's the right car, you know what I mean? It'd be like a Kyle Larson getting a car that, hey, you know, you know, it, it does everything you want it to do. It's got Absolutely. plenty of speed. <laughs> you,
3: got, you, Go. got, you got good everything, you know. So yeah. it's it's you know, in other words, Kyle just didn't become a good race driver with that year off. You know <laughs> Right. He was a, he was a good race driver before that, you know. Absolutely. Right. I, I enjoy watching that because I'm thinking to myself, Yeah, you know everyone kind of wrote him off. You know, well, he's been away from the sport for a year. Yeah, he's done. I appreciate that. You can tell I got millions of stories, but
0: oh uh, yes, we'll have to have you back on again, Joe, in the future. Dominic, what's going on with the racing experts this week? We're continuing to cover the news and happenings around the sport. We're
2: also doing, as usual, our giveaways on Twitter. So if you'd like to win a Dale Earnhardt Jr. iRacing diecast along with a Daniel Suarez and Danny Hamlin Duo Relic Used Race Card. All you've got to do is just go follow us on Twitter, see how to enter, and that could be yours by the end of the week. So we'll continue to do the giveaways and some more giveaways planned too with our podcast platform pages as well, there, Todd.
0: Awesome. Great stuff. Joe, we appreciate you joining us. We got to go. Make sure to subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Hit that like button, share our show. We certainly would appreciate it. Give us a five-star review, or don't leave us one at all. You can email us, davidstarpodcasts at gmail.com, Facebook, David Star Podcast, Twitter, at Star Podcast. You can find us there. We will put the checkered flag out on episode number 17, the, the Darrell Waltrip, Matt Kinseth episode of Let's Go Racing. Uh-huh. Quick thanks to Joe Rutman for joining us. David Starr, Dominic Argon, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This has been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.
3: David, you're a great guy.